Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John, and I am so glad you're joining me here on the Bible in Life. My goal, my heart for you and for me is that we'd be people who humble ourselves under God, who live in genuine attachment to Jesus, and who become like him from the inside out. And one of the key things to that is grounding ourselves in the wisdom and the teaching of Jesus, which is the Bible. And so that's really what this podcast is about, is helping us learn the Bible so that we can live the Bible and do so right in the midst of our everyday life. So that's the goal. That's why it's called Bible in Life. And on that very same note, if you have not yet already gotten yourself a copy, I have a free ebook. It's about 30 pages of a free ebook on my website that will help you uh, read the Bible well, read it in its original context, understand it more. It'll give you some guidance on how to study it. So it provides. Uh, in the first half of the book, it looks at like five spheres of context that we really have to grapple with and understand if we're going to under really hear the Bible well, read it well. And then the second half of the book focuses on five key practices for um, making the Bible central to our life, to applying it to life, to uh, figuring out the implications and what it looks like to live out the Bible in our life. And so that ebook is totally free on my website, right on the homepage. And conveniently enough, it's got the same title as this podcast, Bible and Life, How to Hear and Heed the Bible. And so if you haven't gotten yourself a copy of that and you think that sounds helpful to you, just swing over to johnwhitaker.net and uh, scroll down a bit. You'll see the cover of the ebook there and just uh, put in your name, email address, and I will give you a free copy of that book. And then one other thing before we get started on more of a personal note I am just a few weeks away from speaking at a retreat, a retreat that is bringing together about 70 or so retirement age church leaders who are elders and various kinds of leaders and lay leaders in churches that uh, the topic that they've asked me to speak on is on the kinds of questions, particularly questions of doubt, that are troubling young adults today and leading uh, a number of young adults just to walk away from the church, walk away from their faith in Jesus altogether. So I've been working hard on putting together my talks on that, and uh, I will be speaking at that here in just a few short weeks. And if you wouldn't, uh, if you think about it, wouldn't mind praying about that. Uh, some of the topics are just uh, difficult topics, sensitive subjects. Uh, I really want to speak with wisdom and grace on those topics in a way that helps uh, one generation understand the struggles of another generation in a way that really equips them to lead in their churches in such a way that it'll help them help other people love Jesus more, trust Jesus more, and walk with Jesus more fully. So if you think about it and wouldn't mind saying a prayer about that, uh, I would really appreciate it. All right, over the last handful of episodes on the Bible and life, what we've been looking at is just really how uh, God is ultimately the boss of our life. He's in charge. He's the absolute boss. We talked about the phrase fear of the Lord, fear of God, and how even though we don't use it that often anymore, it's just so central and significant to our following of Jesus. Um, and we've talked about then some implications of what that means for us and how that affects our 
following of Jesus and how we need to think about that and how like the fundamental first step of following Jesus is denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. This episode of the, the podcast is going to be the uh, the final one that's kind of in this kind of loosely arranged series, at least topics that kind of all go together. And it's really kind of the culminating uh, reality, the culminating implication, if you will, of this reality that God is the absolute boss. And it has to do with how we view ourself, how we view our life, how we view even our own body, how, we, how we're going to talk about and think about uh, these things, our self, our life, our body, as a follower of Jesus. And I want to read a passage of scripture right up front that really sets the stage for, um, really it gives the main point I want to make here on this episode. The passage is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Let me read it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Or... Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Um, and notice that phrase right in the middle. You are not your own. You're not your own. And then he, he explains why. For you've been bought with a price. And so that for there at the beginning of verse 20 highlights the reason. Here's why you're not your own. Somebody has bought you and therefore you belong to them. You're somebody else's uh, property. You're not your own. And the reality of that fact is that that means we need to think about ourselves our life, even here, our body differently. And that means there are some things that we just can't say as well as things we can't do. Here's some things that I've heard some who claim to be followers of Jesus say, even say very recently. And there are things that you just can't say if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian. Here's one of them. Uh, I have heard people who say they're followers of Jesus say, well, it's my life. I can do what I want. But that's not true, right? You're not your own. It's not your life. Your body's not your own, right? Like, you, you can't do what you want. In fact, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 that there are two means of doing life, two modes of operating at present in the world. There's the fleshly mode, which is the fallen human way of doing life. And there's the spirit mode, which is the attached to God mode of doing life. He says these two modes of doing life are opposed to one another so that, this is what he says, you cannot do whatever you want. As a follower of Jesus, we can't say, well, it's my life. It's my life. I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. I can't. We don't have that freedom because we belong to somebody else. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. Here's something else I've heard really closely related to that, but I've heard believers say this. No one can tell me what to do. I'll live my life how I want. And again, same point. No, no, you can't live your life how you want and be a follower of Jesus. Uh, yes, somebody can tell me what to do. Who is that? God. 
Jesus. He can tell me what to do. Even uh, wise Christ followers have a certain measure of freedom to speak into my life with the wisdom of Jesus and the grace and the truth of Jesus and, and call me to that. Right again, Galatians uh, chapter 6 this time, right after talking about walking by the Spirit, the Apostle Paul said, calls believers to, um, like, if those of you who are full of the Spirit, who are walking by the Spirit, happen to catch somebody, find somebody who's uh, walking in the flesh and trapped by a sin, then you need to help him and restore him back to proper living, right? Like, we have a responsibility to help each other out. But more importantly than that, I am under obligation to the one who bought me, to Jesus himself. Here's one. <laughs> one that maybe uh, strikes a little close to home. I, here just recently, in my own country, the U.S. of A., um, I have saw plenty of people who say they are followers of Jesus post this one on social media in, in the wake of recent Supreme Court decisions. That is this, my body, my choice. Uh, I've, I saw plenty of people who I know personally and I'm close to who say they are followers of Jesus post that very meme on social media in the wake of the Roe v. Wade decision. And however you think or feel about the politics of all of this, right? We don't get to say, my body, my choice. Um, why? Well, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So my body belongs to somebody else. It belongs to God and it is now occupied by the very Spirit of God. And I exist as a temple of God. So my body's not my own. I've even heard, here's another one. I've even heard a believer say this, uh, where um, he was frustrated with what was happening on a rental property and he claimed that he was trying to do it the Christian way and, and it wasn't working. And so this is what he said, screw the Christian way. I'm going to do it the way that works. Well, again, like, uh, first of all, I, I question whether you were actually doing it the Christian way, but look, whether the Christian way works or not, it is the way of Jesus. And for Jesus, that led him to his death. Sometimes doing, the, doing it Christ's way doesn't always go smoothly. And yet, because we belong to him, because he bought us at the price of his own blood, we need to do it his way. We don't belong to ourselves. We're not our own. Um, we just don't actually own ourselves, own our life. This, frankly, is true for all human beings. Every single human being who's ever lived, it's true. They were made by God, so they belong to him, right? But it's doubly true for us who are followers of Jesus because we have been bought with the very blood of Jesus. Uh, Peter says that, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 and following, right? That we have been redeemed, bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus. This is just a fundamental fact of becoming a Christian, and it's explicit and implicit all over the New Testament. In fact, when the Apostle Paul describes himself as a slave of Christ, that's, uh, that's an explicit capturing of this reality. I'm not my own. 
I'm a slave of Jesus, and I am under orders to do what my master, Jesus, wants me to do. Again, this truth is seen in Peter's words in 1 Peter chapter 2. Here's what Peter says in 1 Peter 2. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. As a group of people, like groups of Jesus followers, are set apart for God, for his purposes, for his honor, for his work, for his glory. That's what holy means. It means to be set apart and thus different from the world around us. You're a holy nation. You are, catch this, a people for God's own possession. You belong to him so that you may proclaim. Here's the goal. Here's the purpose of our identity as God's people so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and called you into his wonderful, marvelous life. For once you were not a people, but now you're the people who belong to God. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Receiving God's mercy uh, means we have now entered into covenant relationship with him and we belong to him for his own purposes. And that truth is just in a hundred thousand other places all over the New Testament. We find it in, in just various ways. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we read at the outset, we should really note the context of it. The context of 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 about glorifying God in your body, about you not being your own, the context, if you look in the verses before it, the context is actually about sexual behavior um, and what we do sexually speaking and our human sexuality. This is important. Why? Because so much of, hey, it's my life, I can do what I want, or this is just who I am, so much of that has to do with our sexuality today. But we aren't our own. Uh, it's not just my life. We don't get to do our own thing in our sexuality or in any other area of life. It's not our body. <laughs> so we can't do whatever we want to our body, with our body, sexually speaking. We belong to God. We've been joined to him and our body belongs to him. And thus, as Paul says there in verse 20, our responsibility is to glorify God in and through and with our body because we're his property. We belong to him. And what this really means is when we understand uh, the, the biblical teaching well and when we understand the biblical worldview well, what this means is that when we are submitting ourselves to God and we're living our life according to his instructions, what we're actually doing is we're conforming ourselves to reality to the way things really are, which is actually the most sane thing we could actually do to conform ourselves to the way things actually are. Contrary to the spirit of the times in which the highest value is like to be true to yourself and self-expression is thought of as a right to be protected, right? I got I to be me and I just need to be authentic and I got to be true to myself. Well, contrary to all of that, Actually, the most real thing you or I could do is to conform 
to the way things really are. That's like the most authentic real thing you do is actually submit to and accept and thus conform to the nature of reality. Uh, reality is what it is, regardless of how we think about it or feel about it or what we believe about it. Reality is just what it is. I was uh, out on a trip with a handful of college students a number of years ago. We were in Western Oregon and we were driving down the interstate. We were driving down I-5. Um, and uh, my fuel gauge on the, the school van said I had somewhere between a third to a half a tank of gas. And then all of a sudden, the van started kind of cutting out and lurching and struggling to go. And the next thing you know, and it just petered out and it died. And it died. Um, right there on the freeway, I managed to get off to the side of the road. And the student who was in the front seat and next to me, I called him, look at my fuel gauge. I just want you to verify that I am not a total idiot in running out of gas on the freeway. Look at my fuel gauge. It says I have somewhere between a third and a half a tank of gas. Uh, I believed with all my heart, as sincerely and genuinely as I could, that I had plenty of gas to get to the, the, the stop we were going to and to fill up the gas tank when we got there. It didn't matter how much I believed it and it didn't matter how strongly I felt about it. We still ran out of gas, right? That's the way reality works. Reality is what it is, regardless of how we feel about it or think about it or what we believe about it. And what that means in this context of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19, 19 and 20 is, we can't be whatever we want to be. We just can't be whatever we want to be. We can't do whatever we want to do. We can't do to our body or with our body whatever we feel like. And According to the spirit of the age, this sounds so confining and so restrictive, right? It just sounds like, who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? And how, who are you? Like, but it's not. It should actually be the most obvious thing. And in fact, to most people throughout history, it has been, right? Like the person who identifies as an eagle and then jumps off a skyscraper to experience their new reality and to express their new reality, it's just not going to work out well for him or her, is it? Right? Like, no, it's not why. Because no matter how much you think you're an eagle, feel like an eagle, believe you're an eagle, you can't fly. And if you jump off a tall building, it's not going to go well, right? Like, so the wisest and most sane and ultimately the most authentic thing you or I can do is not to embrace yourself or to be true to yourself or to follow your heart. That's actually a foolish thing to do. The wisest and most thing and ultimately the most authentic thing you and I can do is to conform our life to what's really real, to what's the way things actually are. Like, what's more real than living in sync with reality? And it's not that God is trying to keep you or me from experiencing our best life ever. It's that he's calling you to live in sync with the way the world and the universe and you actually are, the way you are designed to function. Um, that 
as a human being, we have a human nature. We have a design by God that describes how we're designed to function and why we're designed to function. Like, what are we here for as human beings? The fact is, what we're, the way we're designed to operate and the reason we're designed to operate that way is for holiness, right? Like the more, ho- catch this, the more holy you are, the more human you are. Like holiness is not actually restricting your human nature or confining your human nature. Holiness is actually embodying your human nature. Jesus was the most holy person who ever lived. And at the same time, he was the most fully genuine human person who ever lived. Holiness and humanness, they go hand in hand so that the more holy you are, the more human you are. So to recognize and accept and submit to the fact that our life is not our own is actually the very best thing for us. It'll help us become who we were made to be, how we were created to function, why we exist. We exist for God and therefore glorify God with your body. All right. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible in Life podcast. Thanks for those of you who make the Bible in Life and the listener's commentary and this whole online ministry possible by your generous support. The Bible in Life is part of a crowdfunded online ministry that is made possible by the generosity of thousands of people just like you. So thanks a ton. And if you want to join the team of supporters, you can do so at the link down in the notes below, or you could swing over to johnwhitaker.net, click give, and you can set up a monthly donation right there. Or if you're not able to do monthly and you want to do a one-time donation, you can set that up there as well. All right. May God bless you and strengthen you. May he lead you by his spirit. May he give you the grace to glorify him in everything you do. God bless. I look forward to talking with you again next week.